Welcome to Sons of a Gun, a podcast about the DC Universe. I'm Alex Gunn. I'm Justin Gunn, the two Elder Guns. <laughs> the two Elder Guns, and we are going to be breaking down a bunch of DC news for you this episode. Of course, if you got tips or stories you want us to cover, you can always email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com or hit us up on any social network. We'd be happy to hear from you, but... There's not going to be any news probably for a little while (laughs) because SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, and WGA, the Writers Guild, are both on strike right now. We'll see how long that lasts. Uh, Justin, you are guild focused. How long? I I know we're struck twice. You're struck twice. Double strike. Three strikes. You're out. Buddy. Yeah, I know. I won't know. <laughs> uh, but real quick, before we get into the big news that we should be covering, uh, how long, I know we're early days here, have you heard any scuttlebutt in terms of how long this whole thing is going to last? Uh, well, it, it's with the SAG going on strike seems to have really aggravated. Um, and just to give you a little background, with the WG on strike, the um, some productions can still be happening because you can be shooting a script that has already been written. It's not good. You want to have writers there because that's what makes things go from good to great often. But um, a lot of studios were going forward with, with productions. You saw uh, screenshots from of Dead, from Deadpool, the Deadpool sequel that was still in production. But with SAG on strike, all production effectively shuts down for scripted content because you need those actors. And so it was a bit of a contentious end to the SAG negotiating period. Um, you, there are a lot of quotes from the negotiator for the AMPTP, the studio uh, governing body. It was like, well, we're not talking during any sort of strike. And it's like, that's not how it works. So everyone's definitely firing off hot-headed responses, which makes me think it is going to be a while. I think the earliest we get any resolution here is like mid-September. Because I think with the union, with both the, um, actors and writers being so strongly tied in solidarity, they're not going to break. They're only feeling more powerful. And the studios are going to start to feel this pain a little harder because they will have absolutely nothing new coming coming out this fall. So I think mid-September, when they start to feel that pain, I think they'll go negotiate and a deal will be made and we'll be back to business and everyone will be protected and have lives going forward. There you go. That's uh, I, I hope it works out. Just to be clear, we are solidarity with the writers and the actors who are striking. They need a fair deal to survive and have health insurance and things like that. Uh, yeah. But in terms of the DC of it all, there was a lot of rushed announcements that happened in the final days before the SAG strike because casting isn't going to be moving ahead. Production definitely isn't going to be moving ahead, like you said. Um, there wasn't anything, I, I don't think, currently in production, but the big thing that they're rushing out a lot of casting announcements about was Superman Legacy. Now, mm. we have a ton of casting that's going on from there. Obviously, with James Gunn being in charge of DC Studios, he can still do some production stuff, but he's not doing any writing on the movie. He has said, I believe, that he stands in solidarity with the writers, and he's certainly not going to be doing, well, I guess he could be directing nobody at this point because the director's guild made a that's fun you can direct the uh, background um mm-hmm. cars stuff like that and yeah, that's, that's the how superhero movies work it's mostly just done in a computer and then you add the actors later so there you go but here's who we got these are the announcements that came out right before the strike or in the weeks before the strike uh david corn sweat 
uh, he's given me them quorum sweats with his new <laughs> casting as Superman and Clark Kent. Mm, uh, you might know him from a bunch of Ryan Murphy productions. He was in The Politician. He was in Hollywood. He's been in a bunch of other stuff beyond that. But he is our new Superman slash Clark Kent. Rachel Brosnahan, very excited about this, from Marvelous Mrs. Yeah. Maisel, is going to be Lois Lane. We talked about this before on the podcast. Perfect casting, I think. And then the big surprises that came out in the past week or so, Nathan Fillion is going to be Guy Gardner, one of the Green Lanterns. Anthony Fun. Kerrigan from Barry and Gotham. You probably know him from Gotham, as well as I think Soho he was Hank. Flash as well, is going to be Metamorpho. Isabella Merced Soho. is Soho going to be... Hank. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> so so <laughs> Hank gets a different guy. Yeah, Isabella Merced is going to be Hawkgirl, and Edie Gathegi is going to be Mr. Terrific. Superhero fans might know him as Darwin, who the Invincible Man, who was killed off very quickly in X-Men First Class, and it's uh, that, that was a bunch of garbage in it otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about this a lot to unpack here. First of all... I know it's been a couple of weeks, so everybody else has given it a chance to like settle in and react to this. But how do you feel about David Cornsweet and Rachel Brosnahan as the leads as Superman and Lois Lane? I think it's great. I think whatever James Gunn is doing with this movie, it feels like he's working with intention. He's like, I have this idea. I'm going to push it through. That's what I feel like has been missing from the DC universe for sure. But really, all superhero movies feel like they're lacking a a thoughtful drive forward from the beginning of pre-production. And that's what I think he's got here. Great actor choices. I totally agree. I've, if you haven't seen him in anything, I really like David Cornsweet, particularly Hollywood was kind of a maligned Netflix show that I, yeah, nobody watched that. I, I watched it. Except and for I my guy, Alec. I enjoyed it. It's uh, cheesy and goofy and over the top, like most Rand Murphy things is, but his whole arc is he's a guy who's new in Hollywood and really tried to make it. If you want to get a sense of him being earnest and, you know, hopeful and all of this stuff, I think that's a good thing to check out. Uh, mm. So very excited about him. Rachel Brosnahan, as I mentioned, is like, she is Lois Lane. Like that is, She's that a baller. Is yeah. Exactly. That's perfect casting. So very excited for that. Uh, let's talk about these uh, curveballs, I think, in terms of, we were expecting the authority as if you read the comic books, you know, that's like Midnighter, that's Apollo. You have, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on literally the rest of the names of the team, but they're sort of the main ones, right? The, aren't they <laughs> yeah, the only so. ones? Well, there's a couple of others in there. Uh, there's the dude who talked to cities. There's the machine lady. Yep. I don't, this is terrible. We're comic book fans, <laughs> I swear. <laughs> but the whole idea with the authority is they are this team of Wildstorm humans. Heroes who do what the title says, like they're like, nope, in our way or the highway, we are going to stop crime before it starts. We're a proactive team. So I can see all of these characters definitely fitting into that, but they're not the traditional authority characters. They're a little more like JSA characters, right? Uh, yes, but I saw, I saw someone on Twitter, I think, made this comparison. This is sort of a fantastic four that they've put together. It's like DC's hmm. Fantastic Four. Interesting. Because you got uh, Mr. Terrific as the Mr. Fantastic, Hawkgirl as the Sue Storm, uh, Metamorpho as the Thing, and Guy Gardner is very much a, a human torch energy. So like mm -hmm. the idea that James Gunn is sort of backdooring a Fantastic Four style team into the DCU and they will be maybe the super team that Superman is responding to when he arrives – I think is really interesting. We were having a little bit of a, a debate about this in our, our Patreon Slack 
about what it means. And yeah, so, uh, someone was saying that Superman should be the first hero. Right. And I actually love that it's not that. It's Superman will be responding to something that's already there, perhaps a darker, uh, more uh, gritty um, superhero situation, if that uh, isn't a meta commentary on superhero movies from the DCU. Mm-hmm. I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, it 100% is. And I agree with you. Uh, I was kind of taken aback when I first heard that the authority would already be there. And even more so when you have this seemingly random assemblage of characters popping up here. But exactly what you said, the idea of a superhero universe that is mired in darkness, mired in heroes that maybe kill, heroes that come in and say, no, we are going to stop crime, we're going to kill criminals, we're going to take care of these situations, no wiggle room. And to have Superman come into this world and be like, there's a better way. You you could be hopeful, yeah. you can inspire people instead of grinding them under your boot. If that's what he's going for, I think it's very exciting. And one note that I'll put there, uh, Threads seems to be the new way that James Gunn is getting out all of his information, which is kind of hilarious, whatever. But he specifically responded and said that he starts with the story first, which sounds like a no-brainer. But like you were saying earlier, a lot of these superheroes, I think the alarm bells are going off because you get Iron Man 2. You get, you know, what Black Adam was, where it's like, here's a bunch of characters that we're forcing into this thing to restart a superhero universe. And that doesn't sound like what he's doing here. He's thinking story first. What are the characters I need to tell this story? And then let me find the actors to fit those characters. And that's the way you should be doing it. Yeah. I mean, just look at the characters. Like, they're all set in their ways, with the exception of Metamorpho, depending on what sort of Metamorpho take we have here. Guy Gardner, like, jerk, like, sarcastic, mm-hmm. you know. And then Hawkgirl, hardcore, like, militant in a lot of iterations has been like, I'll kill whoever I want. And they're like, eh, cool it a little bit, maybe. <laughs> Mr. Terrific, cold, analytical, an inspiring, bright, young Superman who shows up here, I think is going to be, it's about turning them into like a more iconic JSA or proto Justice League instead. And and I, I think it's just a smarter way to go. And from a casting perspective, I love all these actors. They're great. They're so good. There is there is not a miss anywhere on this casting list. All of these people are good. Isabella Merced is great. Anthony Kerrigan is awesome. Nathan Fillion is perfect as Guy Gardner. We're going to talk about him a little bit more in a second. And Edie Githagi, I haven't seen it that much otherwise than uh, X-Men First Class, but he was so good in that and completely yeah. wasted. So excited to see him pop up here. Um, yeah, the last thing that I'll say, this is another discussion we were having on the Patreon Slack, but the title, Superman Legacy, I think what this does in my mind is it flips it from thinking, oh, it's going to be, you know, like they're doing Batman and Son. Oh, it's going to be Superman's kids or anything like that. I think it's probably more about what is the legacy you leave behind? You know, what yeah. is at the end of the day, what are you giving to people? What are you gifting to them as a hero? And is it darkness? Is it zero tolerance or is it something better? And that's what Superman represents. So I don't know when we're going to get this movie with the SAG strike. I'm sure they're going to be pushing back a million release dates at this point, but I I get more excited about this movie the more that I hear about it. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, they can be doing some pre-production going forward. So Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of stuff happening probably, but yeah, not having a start date is going to be harder to have an end date. But this whole thing feels like 
the sun is coming up after a long, dark uh, bunch of superhero movies from the DCU. Yeah. Let's move on, as I teased, and talk a little bit more about Nathan Fillion as Guy Gardner, which was a very fun casting. Uh, there were, again, a couple of questions on threads about this that James Gunn weighed in on. One, if you know him from the comics, he is going to have the bowl haircut, which... Get, bold let's choice. go, Nathan. Bold yeah. choice. Uh, <laughs> that's great. And the other question that uh, folks had is, we know they're planning this Green Lanterns TV show that's essentially going to be on Max or maybe on HBO or both. We don't necessarily know. But they said that the Green Lantern show is not a set. The quote is, the Green Lantern show is not separate. Nate will play Guy in all parts of the DCU. So we know the TV show is going to focus on Hal, Jordan, and Jon Stewart. But it sounds like Nathan Fillion will be on this, too. And that's pretty cool. I love that. That's the promise. That's what we want. I mm-hmm. feel like if they can really make this work, because that's what Marvel has been doing a little bit. But if they can really make this work in a bigger way, that's that's the promise we've always been given about the TV movie superhero tie-in universe. For, yeah, and I will say, not to slag off Marvel too much, but I think – Maybe this is just the nature of casting so many people, but it feels like Marvel has started to swerve into the direction of not exactly stunt casting, but casting stars instead of making stars. And yeah, all of these people are great people, but none of them are exactly like household names at this point, certainly in my household, but maybe not other households. Yeah. But it seems 100%. like like I'm but you saying, only talk about classic painters in your household. Mm-hmm. Those are the real stars. Every morning I wake up my son, my eight-year-old son, I'm like, what's your opinion on eating a thingy today? And he's like, well, yeah. I have several. <laughs> <laughs> no, but my Way point is that, like I was saying earlier, I think they're doing part first, finding the proper actor for the part, and then going from there. And that's the way you should be doing it. You know, you set the good actors first, and you have a really good basis for a superhero universe. So should be exciting. Speaking of which... Here's another one. Uh, there was a new final Blue Beetle trailer yes, that debuted the, the other day. The final trailer. They better not release any other trailers or I'm no. going to lose my mind. Uh, did you get a chance to check this out? What did you think? Yeah, no, it's I, I like it. It's long. I feel like mm-hmm. they're, this is a case where they're like, look, these movies haven't been doing well. Just put the whole movie in the trailer and maybe some people will come to see it, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, you know, if you don't want to see that and haven't watched it yet, I wouldn't watch this trailer. But this movie is something we've talked about since we were reviewing the Blue Beetle comic that first introduced Jaime Reyes is this is DC's Spider-Man. And if they don't treat it, treat this character that way, they're missing an opportunity. And this movie feels like a Spider-Man movie mm-hmm. with Blue Beetle. It's like Spider-Man meets Iron Man 100%. Uh, with, with a Spider-Man tone. And like, that's fun. This trailer's fun. The characters seem fun. It'll take you back to a classic young superhero origin story. So we have seen that before, but this looks like a fun version. I'm very excited for it. I agree with you. The trailer was definitely like, and here's the arc of the movie from the beginning to the end, including the conclusion, most likely. But I love the focus on the family. The family seems very fun as well. We do know James Gunn has said that Blue Beetle is not the first DCU movie, but Blue Beetle will continue. They will use that actor. uh, uh, I'm going to mess up his name, so I'm not going to even try it. But he's great. He's on Cobra Kai. He's really good, so I'm very excited for him. But... This seems really fun. And to get a little in the weeds about it in terms of the business of it all, 
like you said, we've got Black Adam. Black Adam was the top DC movie this year so far, which is insane because that bombed. And then and Shazam, that movie was bad. And yes, that was and the then, worst of the movies that were you're about to say. <laughs> yes, Shazam two did horrifically, like absolutely awfully in its theatrical run. And then the Flash also is doing horrifically for what they put into the Flash and what they said about the Flash. But even that, I think it's like just cracking a hundred million dollars in the theaters, uh, which is embarrassing. Devastating. Yeah. yeah. Barbie so, set to make almost a hundred mil on the first weekend. <laughs> Flash is it's just devastating. It's, it's awful. And whatever you think about the movies, like if you like the movies, that's great. And that's totally fine. But these movies are carrying a stink at the marketplace for whatever reason. I don't think it's solely because like fans focus on, oh, they've already announced a new DCEU. So this didn't, doesn't matter. I think people just don't want to come see these movies. I do think Blue Beetle looks better. It looks more fun, yeah. even though they're giving away the entire movie. It seems like the sort of thing that people will enjoy if they see it and not necessarily associate with The Flash or anything previous. And I'll throw out there, I mean, this sounds like a calculated thing, but I do think box office tracking is probably underestimating the Latinx audience that is going to come out and see this. And I think that's a smart positioning, and I think it's really going to work. I think that's true. I also think this movie feels new. The, all mm-hmm. those movies you listed, even The Flash, which um, f- feels like a new thing, is such an old DC story and it's been hyped for so long. This feels like a little bit of a demarcation line where like, okay, Aquaman 2 is going to take us back into the past a bit, but Blue Beetle feels like it's a step in a different direction. So that's exciting and hopefully it'll translate to people seeing this movie. I hope so. I'm definitely excited to see it, particularly after this trailer. Uh, So obviously we'll be talking about it a lot more. Let's move on to another quick hit news items. So Doom Patrol, we do a podcast called The Doom Room. We're behind schedule. Yeah, we are very excited for the last six episodes of Doom Patrol, which so far have not come out on Max. And given everything that's been going on on Max, going on at Warner Brothers behind the scenes, where they've been cutting shows and killing shows, I think the assumption was, well, we're never going to see those last six episodes. But once again, James Gunn coming to the rescue on threads. Uh, actually, I think this was on Twitter. Excuse me. He has a lot of. Uh, how media. dare you? But how initially you? he was like, I'm pretty busy. I'm not really concentrating on TV shows that I'm not necessarily running or don't have my hands in. But he checked on it and found out that the plan is still to release those episodes. So that's good. <laughs> I mean, that's great. I do think there's a, a fan base there. Maybe they're mm-hmm. just holding it until they're really desperate for content in like two months uh, because of the strikes, something like that. Do you th- a separate question. Do you feel like um, dad, James Gunn, hypothetical dad, sure. he is like looking at his tweets and is like Twitter, threads, threads, Twitter. Oh, that's a tweet. Definitely not. That's a threat. Put that on threads. Uh, yeah, he's probably spending 90% of his time figuring out his social media strategy. I just assume at all points, he has multiple people with multiple phones, one with each social media network, but they're like, here, answer this one. Here, go ahead and do this. This is threads. I'm the threads guy. Do that. There. And he calls, he calls them the humans by their, whatever their media, like, Hey, threads, <laughs> uh, post something about, um, doom patrol. Hey, yeah. Hey, uh, Mr. Twitter, you do this. Yeah. Uh, Mastodon, I'm sorry. We're going to have to let you go. Yeah, exactly. You're out, Mastodon. You blew it. Well, I, Would you like to post anything on Mastodon, Mr. Gunn? Go home, Mastodon. Yeah, go home. Blue Sky? No thanks. 
That's racist yeah, now. You, you go- <laughs> <laughs> it is. They're having a whole thing. We don't need to get into that. Uh, anyway, I don't know. He's very active on a lot of different places. Uh, but that's good news. Fingers crossed we get it soon. I would expect this is just me prognosticating and looking at the back schedule because I dug into this a little bit. I would bet we're probably going to get it like August or maybe the latest September. Going longer mm. than that, if we start to go into October and we haven't heard about it, I think whatever James Gunn says, it's, it's dead. We're never going to see them which is a bummer, so I hope we do. Here's one we are going to see, though. Harley Quinn Season 4 is hitting max on July 27th. At this point, we don't know if it's going to be a weekly release or if it's going to be all 10 episodes at once. You still haven't checked it out, right? I'm not trying to call you out. No, please. I I love a call out. I actually haven't watched it. I like it. I like what I've seen, but I haven't watched uh, all of it yet. Um, but I, I'm excited for it. Like the fact that we're getting a fourth season of a show like this that, you know, I think everyone was like, this is fun, but is this going to work? And then it just has been crushing, I feel like, the mm-hmm. whole time. Yeah, I I will say I have seen nine of the ten episodes. We're embargoed from Ooh. talking about it for a while. But one interesting note, I think, about it is the showrunners who have been with it for the past couple of seasons have left to concentrate on a spinoff called Noonins, which stars uh, our friend Matt Oberg from New York yeah. Comedy Stuff, who plays Kite Man on the show. I don't know if that's still happening, but ostensibly that was the reason for leaving the show. And a writer on the show has taken over for season season four. So I think I can talk about it a little more freely on the week that it comes out. Um, but it's definitely coming. Those episodes versus Doom Patrol, I can swear to you that at least nine out of the 10 episodes exist. Uh, <laughs> them. So they should be coming out. So there you go. Great. Good uh, news. Last and definitely least, The Flash is hitting digital on Tuesday, July 18th. So you can buy it forever if you want uh yeah. on digital you get it fast that, yeah as yeah. long as that lasts and uh great news it's also going to be released as an nft it's going to be released on mm. web3 they previously did this with superman the movie which is awful uh but <clears throat> they are going to be releasing it as two limited edition nfts that's going to have a lot of bonuses on here uh here's my question for you why are they doing this? I think at this point, everybody knows NFTs are a scam. So why are they persisting? I, I feel like this must be just just have been some deal they worked out like a year ago when that was mm-hmm. still like something people maybe thought was cool or was going somewhere. Because is there a more dusty, sad indicator of the Flash's uh, prospects than releasing it as an NFT right now? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. I will say the real bummer I watched, you can watch a little trailer on Twitter and presumably YouTube that they put out. Some of the bonuses, if I like the Flash at all, which I didn't, are kind of interesting. They have like a lot of behind the scenes stuff. You can explore various sets. You can watch deleted scenes, all the stuff that you can usually get on a Blu-ray or a DVD. Um, and very much like old school DVD things where it was like, yeah. click around the Flash's room and see what's going on. And then it would take 5,000 years to load. But man, they just gotta they gotta put this behind them. I I or I would love to talk to the person who's like, yes, I'm going to pay a premium amount of money for a limited edition Flash NFT. I would love to hear what they're thinking here. I mean, I'd be curious as well. Maybe they're like, now that the no one's watching, NFTs are about to hit their their prime. I'm the only one. Maybe that's it. <laughs> I'm the only one with a copy of Spider Man Number One by Todd McFarlane. All right. <laughs> 
Why don't we wrap up here again? If you got any tips or stories you want to cover, you can email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com. Support this podcast and all the podcasts we do at patreon.com slash comicbookclub. We do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We'd love to chat with you about DC News, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok and Instagram, comicbookclublive.com. For this podcast and many more. Until next time, Dad, keep playing all them social medias. You're doing it. You're killing it. You're killing it. See you on Friendster, Dad. That's where I am waiting for you. 